after doing that for a while, I kind of was like, okay, I got to figure something else out. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. teaching yoga to kind of make money. Yeah. And I went to go see Iron Man uh-huh. and the music supervisor credit rolled by. And I yes. was like, music supervisor. Okay, that's what I want to do. I want to be a music supervisor. <laughs> Did you know what a music supervisor Absolutely was? Absolutely not. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. If my voice sounds a little scratchy right now, that is because this last weekend I performed four shows, count them, four shows, yes, two a day, two on Saturday, two on Sunday for my new funk, soul, theatrical, immersive concert experience. That's a lot of words in one description. Uh, If you don't know what that is, if you don't know what immersive experience or immersive theater is, uh, that's okay. But if you're in L.A., you need to get out to Brass Roots District live in the lot summer of 73. It's a full funk concert of original music, but it takes place in the year 1973. I'll just leave it at that. You're going to want to come. You're going to want to dress up, and you're going to want to interact with everyone you see there. And uh, quick tip go chat with that guy and get in his van. I promise you, you will not regret it. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Uh, This week, we're doing something a little different. We are actually re-airing an episode. Uh, This was one of our first ever episodes of the New Music Business Podcast, and it remains to be our most, it is our most popular episode. So if you haven't heard this one, time to catch up. This one is with music supervisor extraordinaire Jen Malone. She's the music supervisor for Euphoria, the hit TV show on HBO. Of course, she was also the music supervisor for Atlanta, Creed to The Resident, Boomerang, Baskets, Shelter, Lady Dynamite, Step Up. That's just scratching the surface. We talk about the business behind music supervision, how you can get into music supervision if you're interested in that, or how you can get your music placed if you're an independent artist or manager and just want to get your music placed into TV shows and movies. She also goes on a rant about uh, the Discovery Network. And at the time that we recorded this, Discovery was not paying back-end performance royalties, meaning that they were not uh, paying songwriters. And they struck these kind of shady deals, but there was a huge uproar in the songwriter community. And that has since been remedied. Uh, Discovery now has deals, once again, blanket licenses with the performing rights organizations, ASCAP, BMI, CSEC, etc. So um, her righteous rage and everyone else's in the music community, specifically the sync licensing community, more specifically the songwriter community, at the time, their uproar caused Discovery to change their ways. So speaking out actually helps. And I applaud Jen for speaking out and using her platform and her voice to do what is right by songwriters and musicians. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ari Herstand. Find all of us that makes this show happen on 
at Ari's Take. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Of course, visit Ari'sTake.com. Get on that email list. That is where you're going to be kept up to date with all the most current information on the new music business. Please like, subscribe, follow this show wherever you are listening to this right now. If you're on YouTube, leave us a comment. Leave me a comment. I read them all. That would be much appreciated. And head on over to Apple Podcasts. Please leave a five-star review. That really helps. All right, let's kick into the show. I want to kind of take it back to your story. I mean, as uh, we're going to come to present day and I want to talk all about euphoria and everything like that. And I love the show and you've done an incredible job on that. And I have a lot of questions about that. Um, But I want to get kind of a more complete story of who you are and um, how you got here. And and, um, so, yeah, let's uh, let's go back. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? So, grew up in Jersey, okay. um, but moved to Boston. Okay. And I uh, went to Northeastern University. All right. Um, got into PR, started my own PR company. I was a publicist for rock bands for in years. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. And got super burnt out on that. Working with artists on that level was just, it was exhausting. Yeah. So, what um, kind of artists were you? Rock, like the okay. Hives, the Helicopters, Wild wow. Hearts, Riverboat Gamblers, Cool, uh, Hydrahead Records. So, right on. so a like lot early two thousands yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, right yeah. on. Nice. And then after doing that for a while, I kind of was like, okay, I got to figure something else out. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Teaching yoga to kind of make money. Yeah. And I went to go see Iron Man, uh-huh. and the music supervisor credit rolled by, and I yes. was like. Music supervisor. Okay, that's what I want to do. I want to be a music supervisor. <laughs> Did you know what a music supervisor Absolutely was? Absolutely not. No, okay. Absolutely yeah. not. So I am, um, but I just dug in, started doing all my research. Mm-hmm. I moved out here, uh, started networking and meeting with anybody that would meet with me. Oh, wow. A lot of the, you know, the people, my contacts from doing PR, were label folks and just, just, sure. just meeting everybody. Yeah. And I was told about this event called Honeypot, which yes. is still uh-huh. active today. Sure. And um, I was told to go and you'll meet people. Mm-hmm. And very serendipitously, I met Dave Jordan, who is the supervisor for all of Marvel films. Oh, wow. And you, you I'm sure, remember he that. He was name. on my list. Oh, I, had, I yeah. had a list. I had, like, <laughs> nice. you know, I was, okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I've always been really good at research. Yes. Which has proved important right, now right. with hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. He and I totally hit it off, Amazing. and I was just like, I want to intern for you. He's like, well, why would you want to intern? Like, Because, you know, from being in the music business, we knew a lot of the same people sure. coming from labels and stuff. And yeah. I was like, well, I, I don't know what this business is. Yeah. Nobody's going to pay me to do something I don't know how to do. This uh-huh. is the entertainment business. You start at the bottom, yeah. and I respect that process. <laughs> sure. Oh, And amazing. he was like, okay, start tomorrow. Wow. So he hired so, you as an intern right there. Yeah. Fantastic. So, okay. Um, so I interned with Dave for three days a week and or two days a week, and then I was with Julia Michaels. Oh, because okay. they're their business. They they work together through Format Entertainment. Oh wow! So I was with her on Fridays. And was and she an artist at this point, or was she just kind no, of no? Julie writing? Michaels, the music supervisor. Oh, just kidding. Okay, yeah, 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 like, that's yeah. interesting. No, no, no. Oh, she does it. Pitch Perfect. Um, yes, that's Julie Michaels. That all makes more of, sense. Yeah, she's okay. she's huge. Cool. Right. Um, and then. Um, after that summer internship was over, I knew that there wasn't going to be a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've had several interns and it's kind of like... Do internships, did this one require you to like have 
a school credit or something? Do you have to be a student or not Dave's at okay. the time? Okay. I don't know kind of how it is now. Yeah. But um but I was on an after that internship was over, I was yeah. on an email news group of women in the music industry and mm-hmm. somebody posted that MTV was looking for interns in their supervision department. Mm. I was kinda like Okay, I'm a little bit older. This is my second career. Sure, sure, I'm going to be with yeah. a bunch of college kids, but whatever. Yeah. Throw your ego out. Right. Like, just Amazing. suck it up. Yes. So I went for my interview, and they were like, you already know everything we would teach you, but just <laughs> trust us. Do whatever you need to do to get into the orientation and yeah. in the internship program. And with that, you need school credit. Oh. So I went to LA Community College. I filled oh. out an ad slip. I never went. I Wait. never paid. I interned for three days, and then I got a job as a coordinator. Oh, my gosh. Wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> wait, so hold on. You you went to community college, but you didn't actually No, no, go. I just went to you, the, the their ad drop date. What does that mean? Like, so, so it's a day when, like, colleges, like, where you can go and you add classes or drop classes oh. for, like, people that are regularly enrolled. Yeah, sure. Like, it's like a thing. Okay, okay. Um, and I just went that day and uh-huh. just, like, registered... But I just got this little piece of paper, oh, like, like a little for, receipt. Uh, Viacom, yeah, I mean, huh? it, yeah. right, <laughs> right. It was to get me in there. Sure. Most college and, kids aren't really thinking about that strategy when they're applying for internships. So Viacom probably wasn't looking out for that. But that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. it got me in. That's amazing. And, um, and then yeah. VH1. So yeah, because yeah. at that time, um, you know, VH1 and MTV were were the 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 music supervision department mm-hmm. were you know kind of the same. So I was a coordinator on a couple VH1 shows and really... What years are we talking now? 10 VH1. years ago. Okay. So this is uh, 2009. 2009 2000, okay. All right. So this is like, I mean, that is like almost the height of when Sync was starting to really break artists. I mean, we we're like One Tree Hill, Grey's Anatomy days. Um, I mean, had you... Was Twilight. Like, Twilight. Like, that oh, yeah. Was, that was the big one, I Alexander think. Patsavis. Um yep. So was she on your radar at all? Because Oh, yeah. I had a list. You had a, uh, everybody. I okay. had a target list of people that I wanted to meet. Sure. And I knew, I, I mean, I knew all of the names and who their agents were. And oh, wow. I would, Good what shows you. they this were working. Yeah. And I would read interviews because obviously yeah. they all do, you know, online interviews and stuff. Sure. I would go and read them all and, um, you know, just try to, you know, just cold email some people wow. like um yeah. i remember i cold emailed uh through facebook Kier lehman mm. and he took a meeting with me and it was like my first time on a movie lot which is really cool wow. <laughs> and yeah. so you know he was just a lot of people were just super kind and supportive to just you know take that coffee with me amazing um and so, you know, it was it was just doing that. But oh yeah, like I I, I had yeah, my list. You had the list. Um and so, you know, while I was so I so with VH one just yeah. really, you know, working in reality TV as a music supervisor is tough. Sure. It's not easy. Not a big budget. It's a grind. Yeah. I mean, you have where scripted you may have three editors tops mm. on the height of a, a reality show you might have 10 to 12 editors working on different editor uh, on different episodes and different acts sure okay so and there's just so much music yeah and it's really you know you don't have a composer or at least none of my shows had had composers okay i don't know uh, like mine didn't yeah um so it was it was boot camp for Mm. sure but I, you were a coordinator on this, or the I was a coordinator working under a supervisor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And just kind of hop, and then, you know, I was only 
with the production company for the you know the time that the show's in production. I was mm-hmm. never really in-house. Okay. So I just kind of would bounce around to different shows and sure. MTV would kind of, you know, they would have a show like Vice, Guide to Everything, started mm-hmm. at MTV and um, Jamie at Vice. Uh, she was the supervisor, but, you know, I would, they were, MTV gave me that gig to be the coordinator to kind of be the MTV person. Now break down the difference between supervisor and coordinator. What is a coordinator? What's kind of the day-to-day job duties of a coordinator? So the coordinator is support for the supervisor. Um, They handle a lot of admin stuff, quotes, um, music clearance, uh, script breakdowns, you know, everything from like getting waves, uh, wave files mm-hmm. to the music editors, helping with, you know, budget clearances. Okay. And then, um, you know, as well, depending on the super, I mean, it, it, again, it all depends on the supervisor sure. and how they structure their, yeah, their house. Kind yeah. Of thing. Budget clearances, you mean from, uh, from the, the to clear production. music. Okay. And so to clear a song. Sure. So when you're going to kind of the label or the, or the publishing company or the manager or some, or the artist, the um, copyright holders. Yeah. And so you have, uh, basically how much you can, you like, you have to offer for the song and then, that's well, it's the, the whole thing. I mean, a quote request is, you know, what's the song? Who are the songwriters? Mm-hmm. Who's the publishing company? How long is the use? What sure. type of use? The scene description? And then, you know, the fees that you end up negotiating. Sure, sure. So, you know, just making sure, doing the research, mm-hmm. you know, who are all the writers? Who are all the publishers? And, and just, you know, clear music because you can't use a song yeah. if you can't clear it. Right. So actually, I want to talk about that. I want to pause on like your, your mm-hmm. biography for a second yeah. because... This is really interesting. Um, that's something that I've seen evolve over the years. I'm sure you've seen it evolve over the years um, from probably initially people emailing you MP3s, attachments to like Dropbox to Box to now Disco. and Love doing, Disco. Love Disco. Okay. Love Disco. <laughs> okay, yeah. Love Disco. That's, I mean, that's what I've been hearing a lot of because of the metadata is just so clear in there and you can contact all well, the contact information or not you, always. You would hope. Okay. <laughs> you would hope. Not, like not always. At least okay. I can add my own metadata, but some some of it at least is just for the independents that are really good. Yeah. They will definitely have all the contact information. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes from the majors, you just it'll just have their name on it. So how do uh, why do you love disco? What what makes it special? What makes it uh, different from Dropbox? Well. Um, it's just much more user-friendly for what I need it for. Okay. Dropbox, I think, is really good. Like, I'll use Dropbox for, like, my files and admin stuff. But for music, it's just it's a great way to organize my music. So I Mm. have all of my shows and all my pitches in there. Mm. And then, you know, I'll have a general music folder where, you know, I'll have 60s, 70s, reggae, rock, you know, um, world music. Afrobeat, like just, and so everything can kind of go in there, Mm. but it's just, and it could hold a lot more music and I hate iTunes. No Uh, disrespect. (laughs) No, of course. Um, So do people, do you request pitches through disco now? I mean, when you're, I send out my disco link and I say, Ah. upload your music here, make sure all the metadata is in there. That's usually. Yeah. When did that switch for you? When did you start using disco? Um, I don't remember. Maybe a year. 
a year ago. I don't know. Okay. They, I just was hearing about it yeah. and I was seeing it. I just, I like the interface. Yeah. It's clean. It's not too busy. I can, I can organize it whatever way I want to. Mm. Um, it's just very, it's just very user friendly. Yeah. And since it's up in the cloud, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not going to lose my shit when, sorry. Yeah, you curse. can swear. Okay. That's fine. It's um, yeah. I'm not going to like <laughs> yeah. lose it when right. iTunes crashes. When it crashes, yes. So yes. I've never, I've never been a fan of iTunes. I think it was right. just terrible. Yes. And so I was just, I was working in, in just folders, mm-hmm. but I just, it got to the point where, you know, I got so many projects yeah. that I couldn't hold all of the music in my on my desktop, uh, and I did not want to. I don't want to have a a drive right. because that can leave that, you'll lose that or crash. Or it or, crashes, yeah. you yeah. know. It's just kind mm-hmm. of you know. I kind of do backups of backups. Mm-hmm. Um, with disco, I don't know if it would ever be possible to kind of have it accessible offline, but that would mm. be you know that would be the only thing. Sure. That I would love. I'll but tell Carl. He was just in here. Well, uh, I love a, um, <laughs> yeah. Katrina. And oh, Katrina, yes. She's, she's LA-based. She's fantastic. I love you, Katrina. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be listening for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, when Carl... Well, he was a music supervisor who started disco. In so, Australia, right? In Australia, mm-hmm. yeah. And so he... Um, that's probably why so many music supervisors love it because it's he just, thought yeah. like a music supervisor and he started yeah. it that way. So yeah. that's cool. It's um, that's something that I mean, from an independent artist um, standpoint, we're always indie artists are always looking for basically how to get their music to music supervisors in a way that they're going to actually listen to the music. And so I've been trying to distill, you know, how do you remove the most amount of friction to get your music there? And I've just been hearing like disco kind of makes it really easy. And so that's kind of a way. Yeah. Um, when you, when you receive pitches from anybody, like, how do you like, I guess, how do you like to be contacted? Do you like to be contacted? Or do you just want to go after, uh, you know, find music on your own? I mean, it's tricky because, you know, there is that, like, trust factor that I sure. don't necessarily have with artists yeah. who will say, yeah, I own everything. And it's like, no, you don't, bro. Right. Like, <laughs> or, no, I don't think you own that journey sample that's right. in there. Yeah, yeah. And so there, it's it's hard. And so I, and I, my ass is on the line when I'm licensing this music. So I do prefer to get music through, um, through independent licensing companies mm-hmm. that and independent pitchers that I have relationships with that I can call or email and they'll get back to me right away sure. when I need to clear something on the mix stage and I literally need it cleared now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, that's a really interesting point about uh, artists not really understanding ownership Correct. and all of that. Um and hip hop, I'm sure, has that's probably the most challenging <laughs> uh, because so many artists, especially bedroom producers and, and bedroom, you know, hip hop artists, uh, use samples that they don't realize that they can't legally do. do Old you, Town Road, uh, right? Is a perfect example. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Nine Inch Nails, I'm sure, was very pleased in the end. Yes. With it. <laughs> yeah. I used the I'm song. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so right, I'm there. They've been doing quite well from that i'm sure um but right the initial producer who sold the song for 30 dollars to uh totally stole yeah totally stole it it. didn't realize i mean knew but didn't just 
didn't think yeah. anybody would catch him or something. I don't know. I think he just didn't know that he probably yeah. had to do it or that right. he couldn't do it or there exactly. was a copyright issue. So are there any tools that you use uh, to help you with clearance so nothing falls through the cracks? I mean, do you have like audio recognition software? Do you like... No. No. Okay. So you just trust the person that you're talking to if they say that they own 100%. Well, I mean, again, it that's why I prefer to go through companies that are vetting it and have contracts and Mm -hmm. reps and warranties and stuff like that. But it's just... You know, you, I do license a lot of stuff from independent artists, but it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's hard because yeah. it's like, okay, well, who owns it? All right. Mm-hmm. Well, who's the writers who, like, I figured out the questions to ask, sure. especially with the hip hop kids. Mm. Who's the producer? Like, okay, who owns it? I own everything. Okay. Yeah. Who's the, who made the beat? Yeah. Oh, you know, whoever. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well then. Is he a writer on the song? Well, I don't know. And and it, it's just yeah. it's just digging deeper and deeper. And then I, you know, for one artist, I had to go one step further because I'm listening to the beat. Or, mm-hmm. or they just said, yeah, no, they own it. It's a sample from, I, I, I don't know, some yeah. like Japanese film score or something. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, goodbye. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't right. because I just don't have time to go through it. Yeah you know, constantly, Uh, or they'll send me rough mixes. And I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, there was an incident in Euphoria Uh with a label that sent me, you know, rough mixes Mm. of stuff Mm -hmm. or demos. And I put it in um, and then we got the finished version and it was different. And Sam was like, I don't, I I don't, I'm not feeling this. I want, I want what I, what we've been living with. Right, right. So thankfully the artists would like let us use that. And then when they released the song, it was something else, but Uh, it's like, you know, like that's tough. Rough version (laughs) 3.2 audio REF. And I'm like, I can't, I just can't. Yeah. Are these artists that you're discovering just in through your own research and like, Oh wow, this is a really cool song. And then you kind of have to track them down and have those conversations that way. Yep. Word of mouth to friends of friends. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of find it everywhere. And sometimes when people, con- you know, I try to listen to everything mm-hmm. when it looks like it's, you know, there's, you know, no spelling mistake, like right. shit like that. Like yeah, somebody wrote, yeah. like, you know, I really admire, you know, your work, Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. Oh, and I was just like, I can't. <laughs> and, and I know that's really picky, but it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, sure. it, it's just, okay, well, Mm-hmm. You know, you just have to be detail oriented or, you know, totally. who, what are the splits? And they just send me all the producer, mm. you know, PKAs. And I'm like, no, I need their real legal names. Yes. yes you right, know, right, who's right. their, you know, who's their uh, publishing company? ASCAP. Mm-hmm. ASCAP oh, gosh, is not, right. a, you not know, a so, company, so it's right. just, so I think yeah. for independent artists, it's just a matter of really educating yourself yes. on how how to how to how to license your music mm-hmm. what do splits mean what is ascap and bmi yes. uh, do you have splits like just have that information to make my life easier mm-hmm. which will make my life easier to sync your music totally if you don't have that after i go back and forth three times i'm done next mm-hmm. like i just in tv you don't have that time and just when there's 27 songs in one episode Gosh. of Euphoria, right. I don't have physical time. Totally. Not like, yeah. you know. Do you have a coordinator? 
I have a co-supervisor, Nicole, okay. that I'm working with okay. on one of my um, Amazon shows that I'm very excited about. Okay. Okay. And I am just uh, extending an offer to somebody else today. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's I'm super very exciting. Ex- that's very amazing. Excited to have oh, great. Her. Yeah. yeah, I'm saying like that's a lot of work for you to be doing. Just I had a coordinator on songs um, Oh, I, I, I had a coordinator <laughs> on Euphoria okay. and um, and Atlanta. Oh, great. Okay. But um, but she's moved on and. So, you know, we've been talking to other people and Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. Starting off 2020 with, I think she's going to kick ass. Amazing. I just, yeah, I need help. Right. There's no way I could do it by myself. Of course. No way. Right, right, right. Now, when you, um, getting back to kind of the discovering how you find music, I'm, I'm very curious to know the tools you use. I mean, are you using like Spotify Discover Weekly? Are you going through SoundCloud? Are you... Everywhere. Go, everywhere. Are you on TikTok? Like, what, how are you looking at music right Everything. now? Everything. You are. Okay. And, and do you spend much of your days and your time in active discovery or is it kind of just as you hear stuff, you Shazam it and just kind of figure out, you know, that kind of a thing. Both. All of it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just whenever I hear a song that I'm like, Ooh, this could be good for either one of my current projects Mm -hmm. or just something to go into my someday sync list. Ah, Um, or, you know, I have playlists that I share with a couple colleagues of like, you know, cool music that we find to just share. You know, cool. it's a, it's my girls. It's yeah. three other mm-hmm. uh, music supervisors nice. that I'm super tight with. Yeah. Um, but everything. I mean, Instagram, SoundCloud, mm. TikTok, Audio Mac. Yeah. Uh, not Facebook, yeah. but Spotify. Okay. Um, Apple Music. Yeah. Okay. Like so you're, yeah. Shit that I just coming, Sirius Satellite Radio, mm-hmm. like every, oh, wow. everything. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So with your um, process, I'm uh, when it comes to new shows and you come in on a show, so you came in, in on Euphoria, was it after the pilot or? So the pilot was done. Right. It got the pickup and then I came on board and had to, you know, rescore we had to rescore the pilot. Oh, you did? Yeah, because, you know, I think there, there was just, I mean, there, you know, when you're selling a pilot, you want to put the best music in there whatsoever to sure. sell it. But then at the end of the day, when it's a $1.5 million, you know, song, you got three, mm-hmm. you know, you got a Migos song that you can barely hear or yeah. Sarah McLaughlin, you know, like that that shit all has to come out. Right, right. Um, so we kind of, you know, pick and, cho- pick and choose which ones we want to keep and which yeah. ones we can, you know, we're going to be able to replace. And some stuff is just straight up not clearable. Sure. So we would have to get rid of that as well. And was that a conversation uh, kind of who created the, the sonic tone and theme and vibe of Euphoria? I mean, I think it's all Sam, okay. our creator, director, yeah. writer. And did he kind of say this is this is what I'm thinking for the musical styles and, and kind of go in this direction or this vibe? I mean, if you listen to the show, mm-hmm. there is no. That's what's direction. so interesting about it is there that is the music no... is all over the place for Euphoria specifically. Whereas, like a lot of other shows, have much more of a cohesive sound and yep. theme, and you can listen down like. I always think early on, um, I always kind of go back to like Grey's Anatomy right. and what they did. It's like that had such a sound and it was kind of those like, you know, early 2000, mid 2000 singer songwriters. And uh, same with like One Tree Hill. It kind of had a right. sound and, and Parenthood had a sound. These like kind of acoustic mm-hmm. things. Empire has a sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Euphoria is all over the place. And um, that's what's so 
when you're kind of working with Sam or, or do you, I guess what is the process? Because is it something where the picture is locked and then you come in and no. you talk about no okay so no when you come i want to we're, we're we're i'm involved pr- as early as possible because okay. i don't want the editors putting in too much ah. stuff <laughs> yeah, sure. that we can't clear <laughs> and then we got temp love and then it's just you know so right. i i try to get in as you know as early as possible okay um for you specifically you know i sat with my editors like da- not daily but i was there um and post all the time mm. and just getting them clearable music and them sending me scenes and I need music for this. And it was just, it was a, you know, it's a collaboration. It's a process. Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't think any show or film or whatever has music supervisor picking out every single song period. Sure. You sure. know, it's, there's, there's Sam had some ideas. Our editors are super talented and have such great musical tastes. Yeah. So, um, but there, so, but there was no discussion of the, the tone or the sound of euphoria. It was just fucking good songs yeah. and songs that fit the picture mm. and just, you know, you just kind of knew what they worked. Sure. So, you know, I knew that there was going to be a lot of hip hop. So that, you know, I definitely had, um, a bunch of, um, hip hop bins, yeah. Of clearable of stuff I knew I could clear sure. f- for independence because also we have we did have a budget. Yeah. I know yeah. it doesn't seem like we did, but we did. No, I mean, just Beyonce's in the, in yeah. the show. I she mean, was yeah, not that a, expensive. Really? Oh wow. I mean okay. she was Relatively. she was she was fair. Yes. She was fair. And cool. that's all I you know, when when we're doing this, I just you know, we just ask for fairness for, mm-hmm. for both sides, for the artist and for our show. Yeah, yeah. And and then working with the composer, uh Labyrinth, right? On the uh, so so Lab and I did not. We we had our own lanes because we had our okay. own shit to do. Like it, sure. it was just there was no, except for all for us. Uh-huh. Um, there we just had our own kind of like shit that we had to deal with. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily where you would all come into a room and say, "Okay, we're going to do use score here." We didn't have we didn't here. really have any um official spotting sessions, mm. which is, you know, kind of odd, but yeah. you know, Lab was in the UK, but he and Sam and the editor had such a unique shorthand and and you know they worked with a lot of the stems and we had a um a brilliant music editor who mm-hmm. would be able you know they would just go in and fuck with the stems and yeah. create you know just reuse this here and play that one backwards here yeah. and just use the drum loop here so cool. they you know so that's kind of how it worked but on my end I had way too much song stuff to work with to really have that you know collaboration Mm -hmm. and when they had that shorthand they were good to go they didn't they didn't need me yeah yeah you know was that similar on atlanta and how what was that we don't have a composer on atlanta so there was just all needle drops just that oh wow so it was myself my co-supervisor fam on that show um isaac and uh kyle our two editors Uh and our co-producer caitlin and hero and donald and yeah right was it but yeah we didn't have a composer on that okay and so um with with i mean these two but also the films that you you work on so you would like with creed 2 for instance um when did you come into that process and so Creed, um, fam, um, mm-hmm. my co-supervisor for Atlanta brought me into that. Okay. Um, he was approached by Ludwig Gorenson, who's the composer, 
to music supervise se- uh, season two, the mm-hmm. the sequel. Sure. And Fam brought me on um, to you know to co-sup it with him. So mm-hmm. we came in. It was almost we were almost done shooting because I we, okay. were, we were not done shooting because mm. I remember it's funny where I parked was that we there was a scene that ended up on the cutting room, room floor mm-hmm. where uh, Michael B and Tessa were performing on Jimmy Kimmel mm. so we had this big on camera and so I was there you know I had yeah. to kind of manage that whole thing oh, wow. didn't end up sure. be, making it into the movie <laughs> which I was like yeah right cool. <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, so so we were still shooting, and um, you know that one we there was collaboration with Ludwig, who mm. is just amazing and so cool, and he and his team just roll with it, and that's what you have to do on a lot of this, like a, like a lot of it, you just got to roll with it, like in 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 what way? Changes. We need to you know do this montage, and we need. Mm. this to happen and that like it, it's just there's a lot of when the it, new just, edits come through is like okay now we need to kind of reimagine this it's just section. a lot yeah sure it's just a lot and what's the timeline from when um you kind of wrapped shooting to when kind of you locked you know picture and and everything and then it came out for creed we like locked and shipped in Printmaster like right before it was released. I remember it was oh, wow. released right around Thanksgiving, uh-huh. so a year ago. And yeah, we were working like up until the day, really? like oh, uh-huh. <laughs> because we had so much original music, uh, original music, and unreleased music. Uh-huh. Like Ari Lennox, Shea Butter Baby was oh. was you know we had that in ours uh, in Creed Two first, cool. and the whole desert montage was something that we created mm. um, and had written for the show for the film. Um, so it was you know it was. Yeah. It was a lot. How long was that time period that you I were working remember. on it? Okay. <laughs> I mean, because film it takes so much longer and you have so much yeah. more time yes. than TV. Yes. And so I'm I'm curious about the the difference in process with TV like you said, you need it right now. Yep. Whereas film, I mean, are you trading in and out songs like the direct like are you it experimenting depends. and yeah. It depends. Uh-huh. Um, you know, cuts change and and mm. evolve and then sure. the music needs change and evolve. It's just not a daily I mean, until, you know, Creed ended up being a daily thing for, you know, for the last couple months, the last two months to try to get everything in huh. and done and finished. Um, but, you know, Euphoria was like six months of just every day, cut, cut, wow. cut, cut. You know, I've been, I'm on a film now that it's like, okay, a couple days, don't hear anything. A lot mm. of it is hurry up and wait. Sure. Okay. So... Yeah. Um, but it depends on the filmmaker and the studio um, on how things change and stay the same and mm-hmm. the involvement with composers and stuff like that. Like, it's just every project is just so different. You sure. know, Atlanta couldn't be more different from Euphoria, which is different than anything else I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Are you able to work on multiple projects simultaneously? Is there ever a time where you're doing multiple things all at once? I have a lot of projects right now. You do. I think okay. I have. I think I have like maybe seven shows and a movie. All right now that you're working on right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's it's a lot. That's why you need to extend that offer to your new coordinator. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like that's why I'm right. very that's excited right. to have her on board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. I mean, I think it's just you know I have some projects that are not as music intensive. Okay. Um, 
so that's, you know, helps. And, and, you know, I've just, I try to be very efficient and, you know, just get it done. But then there's also days when it's like eight to 12 because Mm. between, you know, seven, when the phone stopped ringing and the email stopped coming into 12, that's when I can like really dig into my searches Mm. and really get inspiration. Cause otherwise you can't, I can't get into it when yeah. emails are popping. I need this wave or I we're missing 5% right. or, you know, yeah. so it's just like I have my list of my searches and then sure. it's kind of like, yeah. all right, here we go. Get my dinner and just, just yeah. really dig in and get into it. Amazing. Um, how much does your personal taste, music taste play into what you do? Because you're placing music of, of every genre all over the place. It's like just even looking at the music that you've placed in, in the various shows and movies, it's like, well, I could never tell what your music taste, is, your personal taste is. Right. I'm assuming it's rock because you started as a rock publicist, but I have no idea. And I'm curious to know, like, you know, how that plays into any of this, if it does at all, or you're just kind of looking like what fits best for this scene and, and the vibe and the tone. I mean, I do think it's mostly what it's, you know, as a music supervisor, the music is there to service the story Mm. and to fulfill the director's vision. And yes, my personal taste will come into play, but, you know, it's just, it's really what, what's the best song, what works for Mm -hmm. this scene. Mm -hmm. Um, My tastes now are just kind of all over the map. Like I've definitely like dug into hip hop and because sure. when I started Atlanta I knew nothing about hip hop. Wow. Like that was not my <laughs> they still brought you in. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That's great. Um so so yeah, so mm-hmm. that but also, you know, like yacht rock. I love I'm thinking of like all of my <laughs> like all of my stations on yeah. my on my satellite. You know, it's hip hop nation and then uh-huh. it's uh, first wave, which uh. I love that kind of old school stuff. I mean, a, a lot of times, like I grew up on industrial, like wax oh, track wow. shit. Okay. So I'll bust that yeah, out every yeah, once yeah, in a while. Yeah. And it's like, like old ministry and stuff. Wow, wow. Um, but old school soul, yeah. like old stacks and Brunswick records and that shit. I yeah. love. I, I saw you place the Donny Hathaway song in Euphoria, yeah. which I love Donny Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And so that was really cool to see because it's not something that many people know unless you know classic soul but yeah. especially not the teenagers in the sh- in the yeah. show would know that or, that yeah. was that was sam and julio fucking oh, really? around one night okay. and then turned out that it's the song is very important to zendaya as well for mm. personal um on a personal level so oh. but yeah we we almost had a donny hathaway song in creed or did we i don't even yeah, sure. <laughs> it's but but we you know so so it's just but yeah that was mm. I mean that was one of my f- favorite placements as well. It was yeah. it was huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm I'm also curious the the function of a lot of uh, well some of your placements. Um, for instance, so there was a scene uh, in Euphoria, um, and it it's it was a real interesting juxtaposition because. Uh, this was, I believe it was episode two where um, this guy's getting beat up. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. By, that's and, the air supply. Air supply, right. And it was this like real peppy song and it was, it's it's like very cheerful and you're witnessing, like it, it opens on the dude's face who just is all bloodied from, he just got totally beat up and now there's like this like very 
peppy, upbeat, happy song happening. And then you kind of cut to uh, the guy, uh, the boyfriend, um, who's uh, like coming out of the shower and he's naked and he's like, you know, clean. And it's just it was so it was so interesting to me because like watching that, I almost felt like this was the the um, attackers um, kind of inner song and it made me think like wow this dude's a complete psychopath yeah, yeah because like it's it was like oh he's not human it like dehumanized him that song to me like if, if there was a different song in there i would have reacted totally differently but because this juxtaposition because this song i'm like wow this is like representing him this is what he feels right now the guy who just like beat the living shit out of this other dude yeah and completely unjustifiably too it wasn't like you know self-defense and it's like wow that that song like completely changed how i felt about that character yeah like this is a psychopath because this is the song that he's feeling right now yeah what was the intention behind that was that it Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. Sure. Okay. No, I mean, it was just, it was like, it was like originally, I think it was Seals and Croft and we got denied because it was very, you know, they just were, didn't want to, whatever. They just denied the use. Yeah. Probably because it was a very, very violent scene. And, um, and so we kind of like really liked that yacht rock idea, yeah. and it was just one of those things where it was like, it's funny, but yet I'm watching a very disturbing scene. Like that mm. scene was very hard to watch. Like yeah. at that point, that's when I email my coordinator at the time. I was like, if at any time you feel uncomfortable watching cuts about you with Euphoria, please yeah. let me know, and we'll work around it. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's, like, the 30 dicks or, like, you know, there's just a lot of heavy stuff in that show, and it's very hard to watch. And then, but this one, it's, like I said, it's, like, it's funny, because then he's, like, you know, just getting dressed and putting on the deodorant, and this kid is, like, you know, on the verge of death. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it was very intense, but the music really did, like, 
like fuck with the scene and it was very you know it, it definitely played in contrast to what was happening yeah i mean that was for me that was like the turning point of his character it yeah. was just like okay now he's a complete psychopath yeah, he's absolutely and, a psychopath right right <laughs> yeah, that's he's so, very scary right were that conversation that you had with sam about that it was like let's go this route with it or? it was i think it was me and julio, julio okay. um who's who, who's our lead editor mm. kind of were you know fucking with different songs there and that was like it was you know sometimes it's like it's for our amusement almost. yeah yeah like what if we just put this in there it's like yeah. okay it works and so <laughs> wow. you know like it was interesting because that scene is is cut in two there's a scene that happens in between it and so the first half of like during the actual beatdown is a song that that seems to be more of an obvious choice. It's it's much more intense was and that darker. Score? Was that lap score? I think maybe? it was score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was just much more intense. And, and you're like in it, and you're like you know you're experiencing it as it happens, and it, and it feels it feels like it sounds and like it looks and everything. And then when you cut back to it, and it opens on this dude's bloody face, and that's when the song, that's when the air supply song kicks in, and you're like, whoa! Yeah. <laughs> and then you see him, and yeah. yeah, it was like that was such an emotional journey that that whole like you know sequence. But yeah, yeah that was yeah, crazy. Was, yeah, that, that one was yeah. That's that was very yeah. It's very intense. Yeah. Um. So, you know. You are placing a lot of independent music um, in, in a lot of what you do. Have you noticed that um, – are there any standout artists who you've seen that because of one of your placements um, have um, maybe broken a little bit or uh, gotten – you know, uh, more doors opened up or, you know, they were like struggling working a day job and like this was a paycheck for them that enabled them to quit their job or anything that you've seen, you've like been able to really uh, help independent artists in a significant way. Yeah. I mean, I think um, like, like for, for my reality shows, you know, mm. it's such a low budget, but the residuals are really good. And sure. I have had artists been like, hey, just so you know, that placement, you know, paid for our van to go to South by. Wow. Or, you know, I just had an artist um, on The Resident um, on Fox mm -hmm. that they got 10,000 Shazams mm. in one night. Wow. Or like Dodger, which was... Um, who I I love the song. It was called Hot. It was at the end of six one oh six of Euphoria. Mm. It was like seventeen thousand Shazams in one night. Oh my gosh. Like and then yeah. Ramsey, the manager, emailed me back, emailed me. She was in um she was in six also. Uh -huh. She was, you know, she the the manager told me, you know, she was you know, trucking along at three to five K a month on mm -hmm. Spotify. Mm. And after the show aired within a couple of weeks, it was 700, uh, $750,000, 750,000 streams. And wow. the video got over a million on YouTube. And that was from this one placement in a one episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. That's so, no, it's, it's, that's and, incredible. Yeah. Like yeah. that, that's life changing. And like, as an independent artist, as someone, I, I remember my first placement, it was on MTV, the real world. And yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're still probably getting yeah. money from that, like yeah. the mailbox money, you know? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. No. And it's like, you know, that was, that was like my first 
total background, background, instrumental. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, this was at the time, this was circa like 2005 was my first CD just came out and they placed like, you know, it was only 20 seconds of this little piano music, yeah. but like that changed my life. People actually recognized my, like fans of mine recognized the song and like hit me up about it. It's like, I think I just heard you on the real, cause this is also at the peak of the real world. Right. And right. they like knew the song, they heard right. it. I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. What can happen next? And then uh, Lindsay Wolfington placed one of my songs in One Tree Hill. And this was like the era of iTunes. And so I went from all my songs being like about the same level of popularity yep, yep. to literally, yes, that night, <laughs> the bar, just a solid bar of that one song. And and then for the next like two years, people came, literally every show I played People came up to me and said, I discovered you from One Tree Hill and I'm here yeah. because of your song in One Tree Hill. And I'm just like, this is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, and that's like, you know, how people found Ingrid Michaelson from, mm-hmm. you know, Grey's Anatomy and the Old Navy commercial. And the fray, of course, was broken from Grey's and like all of these bands. And so I've been curious about the trends and if you've noticed what's been happening, because like, you know, early mid 2000s in the height of that that era, like Grey's era and stuff like that. A lot of artists were kind of breaking from that. Then I've seen it evolve into like uh, commercials, advertisements, mm-hmm. breaking a lot of artists. We had mm-hmm. American Authors, Imagine Dragons, Ex Ambassadors, um, Fits in the Tantrums. And now I'm curious to know if you've seen where the trend is shifting and if you've seen that artists are kind of um, looking at sync as a way to they're being discovered or they're breaking or getting fans or if it's kind of now more of a paycheck, um, which is can help buy a van. I mean, which is, you know, not to belittle that because that's right. everybody needs a paycheck, um, right. especially right. indie right. artists. Right. Um, where you're seeing a kind of move in, in like how it's affecting and helping um, indie artists. Well, I think, you know, for a platform like euphoria mm-hmm. um, or Atlanta, there's definitely um, an uptick, in everything, in everything, like there is, there they there is just more, it's just really big exposure opportunities, mm. mm-hmm. and so you know I think that you know it's both of mm-hmm. finance, you know, getting a sink, you know, uh, they might not be that much money, sure. but it is it's it's cash yeah. and it's also part of an artist's story. So again, kind of switching it from being a publicist. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at it that way. Well, mm. we had a placement in Euphoria and Insecure mm. and, you know, whatever other shows. Sure. So it is, it's definitely, it's definitely impacting artists and I think the way people listen and find music. Yeah. Because a lot of people... You know, you look at like the Euphoria play. You just type Euphoria into Spotify, and there's all these uneof- unofficial but really cool curated playlists. Yeah, but not necessarily the songs from the show, but it's just mm-hmm. you know a lot of the songs from the show will make it in there, and then some. Yeah, yeah. So, I saw one that had two hundred fifty thousand followers for yeah. an unofficial Euphoria Spotify yeah, playlist. Which I have a lot of artists <laughs> contacting me like, why was my song? And I'm like, it wasn't, this is not an official list. <laughs> right, I don't like, have anything to do with this playlist. No, 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 yeah. it was not in the show. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, right, right, right. It's a good song. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, that is interesting how Spotify, now in the age of Spotify, how that's playing off of, we're starting to see some of the most popular user-generated playlists on Spotify are the soundtracks. Or, yes, 
you know, unofficial soundtracks of the shows. Yeah. Um, whereas like soundtracks have always been a big thing. Um, you know, the Garden State soundtrack, that was my college experience. Like that right, was, you right. know, that was burned on a CD from a girl I liked. And like right. that, I lived on that Garden State soundtrack. Um, and, and now it's kind of evolved and the soundtracks now it's Spotify is like a lot of play, uh, playlisters are taking kind of the vibe and the, the feel of the show and we'll put the songs from They're the show. They're making mixtapes. Yeah. And then they just kind of add other songs in yep. there, which is just so interesting because um, there is no limit. It's not like, you know, the 70 minutes you can fit on the CD and it right. just kind of keeps going. Right. Um, do you work like create uh curate any kind of playlists or is that part of um any of like any of the shows or movies you work on for like official soundtracks or anything like that like i, I like mean spotify I'll, I'll make i'll make a, i'll make a spot you know like an official resident spotify playlist mm. of all the songs in the show um and who's that put out typically like who does it say it's created by me you it does okay great but i know that there's other you know there's other people that make the resident playlists that'll or different shows playlists Mm -hmm. um can people follow Gem malone on spotify and all i don't know you can follow playlists but you can't see like but uh i don't know oh okay Okay. i don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's not that interesting yeah yeah um but um Otherwise, you know, I I follow a million playlists and I have my own, you know, private stuff of different, you mm-hmm. know, mood moods and fresh finds type stuff. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah, right on. So, um, so you're working seven shows simultaneously right now. I think it's seven. And, yeah. yeah, and um, is is this something that uh, I mean, when you're when you're kind of working so many shows simultaneously, like how do you keep everything straight what is your i'm so curious about like your workflow or your process or i mean is it all just through email what's your project management tools are you (laughs) i don't know i have no idea my my google doc grids really okay i mean it's definitely you know like the resident on fox is is you know not a lot of music but we get to do really cool stuff and the showrunners and it's such a great group of people that really trust me Mm. and kind of let me do whatever i want um and then i have the wilds um for amazon Mm -hmm. that i'm co-supervising with nicole weisberg who's amazing um that's gonna be an amazing show yeah um and then i have um umbrella academy season two okay which i'm stoked on and that's really fun because it's the same thing as far as like no rules yeah um boomerang season two for bet cool um defending jacob for apple which is with chris evans and michelle dockery yeah so that one's not you know crazy music intensive but we have very cool key moments that um Mm -hmm. that we make music really special when you're working do you notice a difference working with streaming platforms like apple or amazon versus more traditional networks versus like you know, cable networks, like are there different ways, just uh, standards and practices. Yeah. <laughs> just SMP. Um, in terms of what about uh, rates, like, uh, like indie rates. So, you know, 
for instance, like Netflix, it's kind of known that their standard fee for a placement is like $10,000, but they always ask you to like give up your back end um, on that. Well, that and, is a completely different story that yes. we cannot go into. Okay, right we won't now. go into that. But I'm no, curious, no, no. like, because that's like that a Netflix sta- thing. And then I, I'm just well, like, I don't think that there's really a standard rate for, I mean, every show has a different budget, mm-hmm. it has different. Um, musical needs. Mm-hmm. It, ha- I mean, it depends. If you're going to be, you know, a three minute montage, like you, like the rate should be different. So mm. I, I wouldn't say that there's a standard rate of ten thousand okay. dollars per song. I don't think that that's that can be. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't think that that's a. I don't want your listeners thinking, yeah. oh, I get a song on Netflix, it's going right. to be 10 grand, because it's not. Sure. What's the range <laughs> um, for a lot? I mean, it depa- I mean it's, just for like indie artists, rather. It, de- um, it, depends. it depends. Okay. It depends. Sometimes I have a lot of money to give an indie artist huh. on an episode of a show, uh-huh. or sometimes it's like three, five grand. Mm, okay. Um, but it just, it depends on a lot of factors, what my budget is, how how big their use is. Mm-hmm what my budget is like it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of budget who's involved and you know it's just um but there besides the whole back end thing which is a terrible thing and it makes me very 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 upset and Mm. very sad that that's what networks are doing like Mm -hmm. straight up the new discovery thing i worked for discovery for three months Um, loved it there everybody treated me really well but what they're doing is terrible Mm. it's awful and I just want to know, like, it gets mm. me very upset. But I stand with, you know, the composers and I'm mm-hmm. like, take your music out of there. Because if mm. you're not going to get paid anyway, yeah, yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. are you, what's the, what are you losing? Right. Because at the end of the day, when that comes back to someone like me, yeah. I am going to get the music note from the executive music is generic i'm not feeling the music this is it's because you are completely totally devaluing music Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that so so don't come complaining to me when your show doesn't sound good Mm -hmm. because the good composers are not going to stand for i'm gonna sorry no this (laughs) is good it's just it's 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 awful and um i know that um from my experience with Netflix, it is an option. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard too from the supervisor I've talked to. I, they it, say it's, it's an Netflix option. asked to put that in there to give up your back end performance royalties, but you can negotiate that out. Um, just to give the listeners who are not familiar with what's happening with Discovery, could you give a little breakdown um, that they're just basically asking for? A, they want a, free. They don't want to pay anything. They don't anybody. Pay anything. Yeah. So basically, you know, I think. You know, the good thing about working on MTV and Viacom shows mm-hmm. is that the back end is really good. So yes. I might not have a lot of money to pay you up front, uh-huh. but you're going to get what's called back end royalties, right. mailbox money. Yes. And I have a friend who from Boston and her band had a placement in the hills and she still get like the hills, mm-hmm, like OG. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And yeah. she still gets yeah. money and from that. Performance royalties, ASCAP, BMI, Correct. that kind of stuff. Yes. So what Discovery wants to do is, I think they want to keep that for themselves or they don't want to pay it out or something, Mm. but they do not want to give that. So then therefore, you're getting what, 200, if you're a composer that Mm -hmm. has a full library of cues Mm -hmm. and the, you know, the editors are just picking and choosing what goes in and creating their own score and Mm -hmm. you're getting paid probably shit for that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, originally the payoff is, well, I'm going to, you know, that stuff is going to, that those shows are going to air and I'm going to make the back end. Yep. But now that that's cut out, like, what are right. you, what like, discovery, yeah. get it together. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. You yeah. pay nothing for music anyway. Mm. And now you're going to take that away from, from these people that are making your shows sound good, mm-hmm. sound amazing, and really like help emphasize the emotion and what's happening mm-hmm. because if not don't have fucking music in your show right right yeah Sorry, no absolutely <laughs> like this no, gets but me seriously, no, so I, this angry is, well, if this is what yeah. you want mm-hmm. fine here's yeah. you know give them your drum stems right. <laughs> give them your guitar stems yeah. and that's it because seriously. you're not if you're if it, it you can't get n- nothing what is it n- nothing of nothing is nothing mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. If Discovery is not going to pay me for my music up front mm-hmm. or pay me shit up front, mm-hmm. which they will, yeah. and then I don't even get back end, mm-hmm. what's, the, what's point? the point? Right. Pull Why? it. Right. Pull your shit. Yeah. Stop it. Yes. And this is a good opportunity for all the artists who are working with sync licensing companies, um, you know, go to them and say, hey, are we still working with Discovery? And if we are, we should pull, pull our it. music. Pull it. Pull because it. You're not going to make any money. You're right. not going to lose any money. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Because yep. if you're not getting the back end right. anyway. Well, and, and if you're working with a library also, make sure that your library is not working with Discovery anymore until they reinstate that back end. Because I know a lot of artists who work with music libraries mm-hmm. or sync licensing companies, they don't really know. They leave it up to their, their company to mm-hmm. just place their music everywhere. And they don't really know necessarily. They're not getting the, the deals. They're just yeah. like, you, you know, you clear whatever. We trust you. Right. But, you know, they this is an opportunity where to show the networks and at least discovery. And so because that would be a horrible precedent if that continues on to anybody else. And so we need to stop that right now before it goes any further and to really put value back into the music. Absolutely. Um, And so this is like, yes, a good call to action for artists. Like ask your licensing company, ask your library, are we working with discovery? And if so, you you should stop right now. Yeah. Because it's, it's just, because again, coming back to, you know what I do whenever, you know, we want it to sound, you know, we want a show with $4,000, $5,000 budget to sound mm-hmm. like euphoria. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Or, you know, and that's fine. And I, I, you know, I have a lot of independent artists that are amazing and will work with these with me in the smaller um, fees, mm-hmm. the less fees. Um, but again, there's the back end. But like, again, with, with, Discovery. Um, this music sounds dated. The music is generic. We need yeah. a whole new music makeover. Right. <laughs> you know, we need a music overhaul. This is mm-hmm. not exact. That's because you have shitty music in your library because you're not paying. Because right. producers, showrunners, all of the executives mm-hmm. that love to give music notes. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk, talk to your bosses that are doing terrible things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Terrible things. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me so mad. <laughs> it gets me <laughs> yeah. very heated. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's I mean, it's, it's nice to, to see that you care. Um, and it's nice to know that you are passionate about protecting the rights of artists and composers. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of people in the film industry who don't think about that. And I mean, it seems obvious that, oh, you're a music supervisor that you should, but it's not obvious to a lot of people. And I think a lot of artists who, you know, look at music supervisors as kind of this ethereal group of gatekeepers, they don't really think of many of you as 
people. They think of you as gatekeepers or, you know, and just um, the power players. But to like know that you actually care is is like really, really nice to hear. There's there's an um, and I, I, I tweeted about it. Um, it's your music, your um, I saw it, that. What, what, it, uh, what is it? Mm-hmm. Because um, I'd love to, to promote it. Your it's, music, your future i believe something it's called like that, that. I, and i'm yeah. so it's a um some of the best composers yes. i think gabriel uh, mans and uh, that i saw that vanacore mm-hmm. who's amazing mm-hmm. um um the guys over at extreme music right like if you're a songwriter if, especially if you work kind of in the reality space yes. go sign up for this i'll put a link in the show notes yeah, for you to please because yes, i i i mm-hmm. yeah i i think that it's um it's really important that the more people also know that this is happening yeah. and this is what could happen to your music yes is you know you can take action yeah, and yeah. you know and and when there are you know and then also when you're signing licenses and stuff mm-hmm. like i make sure whenever i'm talking to the independent artists that i talk to them about I go through the quote request with them. Oh, nice. Oh, that's I will great. tell them, write these words, write these letters, yeah. M-F-N. Yes, <laughs> most like, favorite nations. Yes. yes, I will tell them. <laughs> and they're like, what? And like, just try, that means that whatever they get, you get, everything mm-hmm. is fair. Yes. Um, and I let them know, you know, this is what this means. No, we don't own anything. And then mm. don't ever give your rights unless away until unless someone wants to pay you a million dollars for your song. Don't give your rights away. Your right. license is you're you're lending it to us. You're mm-hmm. allowing us to use it. We don't take any ownership. If somebody mm-hmm. wants to take ownership, you know, bring it to a lawyer to make sure it's fair. Totally. Um, mm. So, you know, I know some of these kids can't necessarily afford a lawyer, but right. I will go through and just let them know there's no funny business yeah. or weirdness and whether you're getting the same piece of paper and contract right. that Beyonce is getting, yeah. you know, when we're trying to license music. Sure. So there's just because you're getting, you know, you're you're an independent artist and don't have publishing versus somebody that's with Sony ATV or Warner mm-hmm. Chapel, it's the same thing because I want people to understand what they're doing. How much negotiation is allowed on a contract that you send to an indie artist? Not a lot. Not because, a lot. Okay. Because a lot of times I can only do what I can do mm-hmm. on that level. What advice would you give independent artists who are looking to get their music synced more? Let's say maybe they've had a couple or maybe they've had none. Like, what do you recommend artists on how they can kind of break into sync licensing? I mean, look, it's hard. We get a lot of emails. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to know your business. To okay. know, to have splits figured out, make sure you have full legal names, mm-hmm. you know who um, who represents everybody that's owns the copyright, be registered with the PRO. Mm-hmm. Um, um, have contact for everybody, have an instrumental available, mm. have high res fo- uh, files available, have a clean available. Um, if there's like no swearing, correct. Yeah. And you know, for, for one of the networks that I work for, they want what's called a, a clean wipe or syllable to syllable, meaning if you're saying fuck in mm. your song, you can't hear f- ah. and have it be like silent Got or it. F- k- 
Right. Like you can't, <laughs> right, you can't right, 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 hear right, that. Yeah. Like it needs to be completely removed or, you know, yeah. if you have the luxury of saying another word, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. then you can do that as well. So it's not like a complete dropout. Do you need um, stems? Are they helpful? I think I never do. Okay. I, um, f- I don't want to speak for everyone, but I sure. think trailers like to have stems okay, from sure. from just from going to panels and stuff because I I know nothing about trailers yeah. but I love learning about sure. a, because it's such a different business right. um, and I know that they'll like ha- they'll really fuck with stems and mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. Um, but I don't usually need them gotcha yeah very very rarely mm-hmm. um, but I think it's important to know you know when I got when I have people email me about you know, getting their music at Insecure. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't do that show, bro. <laughs> so that's kind of a turn off. Right. Um, do your research. Do your research. Yeah. And also try and find um, independent licensing companies. There's a million out there mm-hmm. and try and get on board with them because those are the people. So I, you know, they can sign off on everybody. So I don't have to do, there's four writers doing four quote requests and four master requests. Like, one mm-hmm. stops are always yes. much better. Yes. Um, but knowing also, so when I say, you know, okay, who's this person's publishing company? You know, is, is it with them? Like, just know who it is, even whether it's like Universal, but also whether it's Pulse or Cobalt, mm-hmm. because that will change how I can use the song. Meaning, mm-hmm. with some of the majors, mm-hmm. they just you know, demand more money mm-hmm. and there's not, Oh, my manager can make a call. That doesn't work. That's very bad business between me and my sync licensing people uh-huh. at the labels. It just, it creates bad blood. Mm-hmm. That's only when it's like something really crazy important, but I try to never ever do that. Or if I do do that, it's like, Hey, Warner Chapel, just so you know, like the manager's involved in this one, whatever, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that's never going to happen. Like, right. Oh, my manager will no, no. Um, so if a writer on the song is with a major or one of the major indies, mm-hmm. um, that's going to change how I can pitch the song because I know that I'm going to need to have more money for that, and I might be filling out a party scene with three or four just you know background, you know vibe type music. Sure. That instead of, you know, going to a library, I'd rather support an independent artist, give them three grand, mm-hmm. get them in a cool show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I can't, but, you know, Pulse or Universe will never clear anything for $3,000. Right. So that I'm not going to put it there. I'm going to wait until I have a spot where I can spend that money. And so for artists to know all of this information going in, when you collaborate with an, uh, with another songwriter or artist or producer, knowing are they represented by a major publisher because that is going to affect your... Or just who the publisher is. is. Because sometimes yeah. people would never think that, you know, Cobalt is a major, mm-hmm. but it, they they are, sure. you know, they're amazing and they own a lot of copyrights and, right. you know, Pulse or Big Deal, like just because it's not, you know... Sony ATV, Warner Chapel, BMG, mm-hmm. or Universal, mm-hmm. there are other yep. major publishers. Totally, totally. Um, and and though you made a really great point. Go work with a, a licensing company, a sync licensing company, because, you know, a lot of artists, I would say probably more of the practice three, four years ago, five years ago, um, would people would go directly to music supervisors. And now I've seen that, that 
supervisors have kind of pretty much put up a wall saying like i can't handle all of these pitches like i love you but like i just there's not enough time and so i i get you know the era of uh tweeting a song to a supervisor and hoping they use it that's actually how i got my song to lindsey wolfington and that's uh, awesome but this was you know this is 2000 nine or ten or something like i mean that. if like, i yeah. can i will <laughs> but it's just a lot of times i just i i, I just can't or i'll right. open up the window and i have every intention to do that but then i don't know something will happen and i can't right so but the uh sync licensing companies you trust because they you know that they vet their music you know that you're not going to have to deal with clearing samples or educating on you know that you know this is a sample and you have to get this cleared or right. and then figure out the other parties and everything like that and if there is a sample like it's just don't not give us the information because you're afraid we're gonna not move forward with a license or mm. something you yeah. know what i mean don't don't try to hide it like just <laughs> tell me because maybe sure. that means i'll get you a bigger placement you yeah. know just yeah. don't and if there's a sample in the song either take it out yeah or do what you need to do, and that is on you mm-hmm. to figure out what you know what needs to be done so that you know to clear it. You yeah. can clear it. Right. Know right. your business. Know yes. what you're getting into. Don't tell me when I ask who your publishing company is. Do not say ASCAP or BMI. Yep. <laughs> Just don't, because that's yeah. a click. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is a good point to remind everyone, chapter 13 of the book, <laughs> educate yourself on how all this stuff is broken down yes. and it works. And I have a, I have a list of 25 uh, sync licensing companies that a lot of music supervisors say they like working with. And so this is a kind of a good place to start. Nice. Um, so I ask everyone um, the same question. Um, how do you define what it means to make it in the new music business? I guess to be able to... Uh live off of what you want of what of your your work mm-hmm. i guess yeah i don't know that's really hard i mean yeah. it's just as long you know that's great i mean it's simple and it's uh i think it's um to make it mm-hmm. is yeah i would say that 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 it's your career yeah um but yeah that's what i would say that's great i love it yeah Jen Malone, thank you so much thank you so much for having me this is fantastic thank you yes really appreciate it <laughs> Brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com.